Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at the Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. is revolting with steve and robot on the cycling independent episode 34 courier pigeons content warning we're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes you might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up if you're sensitive about these things maybe this isn't the podcast for you it's okay we still love you hello Robot, good morning. Good morning, Steve. It's uh, Mar end of March. Springtime is popping. Yeah, when people hear this episode, it will be late summer, early Armageddon. Maybe so. we're like kind of up in the uh, schedule, which I think is cool. Yeah, we it turned up like the volume. We're catching up. We're catching up with ourselves. Yeah. It was good. We just published 19 this morning or yesterday. Um, and it's funny, we were just talking about it before we started recording. Uh, I, it was really early. I mean, it was regular time. We record on, it's 8.30 West Coast time and it's whatever, 10.30. thirty. 11.30. 11.30. Uh, Massachusetts time. And I could not finish a thought and i was i was trying so hard i just listened to it last night and i was trying so hard and i couldn't i couldn't remember like friends names or how to pronounce pronounce friends names and then we were talking about the subwantos awards and susan uh we're talking dear about susan different, yeah dear yeah. susan we're talking about different uh bike manufacturers who were doing things that we thought were cool and then i started on this long meandering story about uh, Subwantos and the history of Subwantos Awards, but I didn't get to the point where I wanted to mention uh, Dear Susan got an award, and that was why I started talking about it to begin with, and I'm just like <laughs> listening yeah. to myself not landing the plane. Oh, it's it's really hard. <laughs> it's like, you know, you're looking at your own uh, efforts through a critical lens, and sometimes I, I feel like we're doing okay in spite of ourselves, and sometimes I'm just embarrassed you know, well, <laughs> for me, mostly. Well, I think we're doing what we're doing. I mean, part of and and I'm not sure. Yeah, that's true. Been, we are definitely doing, doing what we're doing. <laughs> we're doing what we're doing. I feel like every episode lately that we record, we review the one that just came out. Yeah. Which isn't the one that we just recorded. Right. But it's like, well, we don't you know. know so the, this is. Yeah, we don't we don't know what the one we just recorded sounds like. So all we have to all we have to critique is. The one that came out, which is fucking 20, <laughs> 20 episodes ago. Here's what I think we know. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Number one, we don't stay on topic very well. <laughs> Number two, we have continuous <laughs> recording challenges <laughs> based on our own not very cleverness. Yeah. No. Number three, you have a, a voice. A, uh, that is as rich and sweet as cake frosting. Oh my goodness. And I sound like the bird that's not going to find its mate in springtime. Mm. Well, it's like we have six things working for us and six things working against us. So we're right on zero. Like we're two, we're, we're just right in and we're sitting in the basement. It's a real car chase of a podcast. Uh, where uh, there's a lot of crashes <laughs> and a lot of tension around whether the good, who are the good guys even in this? I don't who know. It's an guys. imperfect metaphor, like all of them, but I don't know how it's going to turn out. Ever. Well, we're still doing it. We're still here and uh, I'm enjoying it and I'm enjoying getting to know you. I think that's been fun. Uh, yeah. And uh and it's, you know, fun to get feedback from people. Um, 
you know, we're not, our skins are thick enough that we can take critical constructive <laughs> criticism or you can just, you know, like reach out and say, you guys are totally missing the mark. And if it was my podcast, I would do it differently. Um, which, uh, is cool too. And you can also do your own podcast because all you need is a computer and a mic <laughs> and you can talk about all the shit you want to talk about. You should definitely do your own podcast that I won't listen to as much as I don't listen to ours. Um, that reminds, you know, part like a big part of the fun here. And I feel terrible saying that I really enjoy doing this pot. Like I'm doing it because I enjoy it, which is a nice thing to say, but it also, I think owns the fact that I don't give a fuck what the listeners, how they feel about it that much, <laughs> which is, I mean, I do, I do care, but I care much more. Like if I wasn't enjoying it and enjoying our friendship, uh, then I would have stopped doing it by now. Right. Cause I'm just not that eager for people's approval. Well, but, that's, that's the creative process, right? I mean, not to say that this is terribly creative, but it's when you are making something, whether it be something that you're writing or you're drawing or you're painting, or you're in this case recording, um, you're doing it to uh broaden your own horizons yeah. or your own comfort with public speaking or whatever the fuck it is and so like we're <laughs> getting something out of it and hopefully somebody else is getting something out of it but we're not it's not you don't do you don't make stuff uh specifically for the approval of others or to make money or whatever it's just like that's the that's the compulsion of of the maker Hopefully, hopefully this is a win-win. It's the, um, hopefully this is the reach around version of a podcast where we are clearly getting something and the listeners are also by extension getting something. Now, I, I, another thing I wanted to say before we really, uh, dig in is that you and I have become, I, I would say increasingly close as friends, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Am I, uh, maybe I'm wrong, no, you're but I feel that way. No, you're okay. Whatever. <laughs> I, I feel that way. Um, and, and the weird, one weird thing about that is that I find myself pretty regularly thinking, oh shit, I have to tell Steve about this, <laughs> <laughs> which is weird. Um, but, and you and I have this problem also where a lot of times we're just talking off, off air or off whatever this is. And we are both laughing very hard and thinking, Sh shit, all the good stuff is actually not getting recorded. <laughs> that one, the one fart one from a couple of weeks ago, either, <laughs> I don't even remember how that came out. Okay. It was a, it was a solid, solid fart joke and it, it covered, it was topical and it covered like one's uh, passion and, in pursuing a career and. <laughs> and we it, and then we laughed and laughed and laughed. And that was, I think, when I pulled a muscle in my back, that was maybe that was what <laughs> fucked my back up. <laughs> I haven't laughed that hard. And I'm, I have to tell I guess I will tell the story because I haven't laughed that hard in so long where it hurt. And then actually <laughs> after you and I had that laugh, which we and the whole thing happened after we recorded the podcast, we stay on. And we talk about, we just talk after we record, but I, Brittany, my wife, Brittany said to me, oh, well, how did the podcast go today? And I said, oh, here's this. And I told her the story and I laughed that hard again. <laughs> yeah, I, it was, it was good. I worry, I worry that if, if we tell that story now, it won't be funny. It won't, it won't. I mean, you can try, maybe it will. I don't know. I couldn't put it. It was like timing and it was, it was <laughs> how it was delivered. And it was, it was just a sort of a perfect storm. I, maybe, maybe you could, maybe you can, you have a way with words. I will try to tell it very quickly. I occasionally think, uh, one of the jokes I make, uh, to Steve is I go to, uh, godaddy.com and I look up, stupid url names and i just take a screenshot of it and i send it to him so um i think that one was carnival of farts maybe or fart carnival yeah. i think it was fart carnival yeah. yeah and i said you said to me what are we doing here you were sort of like uh skeptical of the 
joke, the whole mechanism of the joke. Like, what are we, you said, what, what are we doing here? And I was like, well, I mean, I'm trying to think of business ideas. And I think Fart Carnival could be sort of that <laughs> one-stop <laughs> shop for all, all of your favorite fart-related co- uh, content. And you were like, you were... <laughs> What it was, what set it up perfectly is that you, I think, then began to think about the business possibilities of doing, actually doing that. And you said, you said the phrase, I don't know, man, maybe too much of a good thing is too much. And then I said, then I said, yeah, you're probably right. It usually doesn't work out when you turn your passion into your livelihood. And at that point, <laughs> at that point, <laughs> see, I don't, I don't care what anyone thinks. I still think that's funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it still holds up. <laughs> Um, but I also then, so as this whole thing of like, uh, me, <laughs> me trying to remember things to tell you, I, yeah. I've started to, I made notes and I was like, I put, I wrote revolting at the top. Cause I was like, this set of notes is to tell shit, just tell steve but when you're <laughs> recording and I'm going to ignore the first two things. Cause I don't actually think they're funny, but. This happened a couple nights at dinner, a couple, no, a couple weeks ago at dinner. My son, my 17 year old son, who's very smart. Um, he said, uh, he said he was going to do something school related. Like, oh, I'm not going to tell my teacher that I'm doing this, but I'm just going to do that. And my wife said, I don't think that's a good idea. You know, you should send her an email and you should do this and you should, you know, explain in advance and all this stuff. And he's very like, I'm smarter than everyone else. And he said, no, no, I'm going to do it my way. And she turned to him and she said, well, shoot yourself. <laughs> and, I, <laughs> and I'm not sure <laughs> whether she meant <laughs> whether she misspoke and said, shoot yourself or whether she just did one of those S's that were a little shushy. Yeah. But I thought to myself, yeah, shoot yourself is actually what that expression sh- should be. Well, fucking shoot yourself. I feel like that. And so now I wanted to say from now on. I'm only going to say in that scenario, shoot yourself, because I mean, yeah, I mean, it sort of works. It works both ways, you know, not to make light of anyone who has ever shot themselves, but not as a as a slip of the tongue. And you're going to do something where you are yet metaphorically kind of fucking yourself. Right. I think it's sort of perfect and it's more to the point than suit yourself, which sounds kind of like sarcastic and mean. I mean, I guess shoot yourself also. I don't know what suit yourself means. Like what's the, what's the foundation of that phrasing? It's like do the thing that's going to suit you, I guess. So suit it's, I do the thing to suit myself. I suit, it suits me. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I guess that makes sense. I don't know. (laughs) I never use, I don't think I, I ever really use it. Anyway. Well, I mean, now that I've changed it to shoot yourself, I hope you'll use it a lot. I will. Yeah. I just wrote a post-it note. Yeah. That just says that. Anyone who uh, puts in a critical, a critical um, comment on the, on the podcast here, I'm just going to write, you could be right. <laughs> shoot yourself. Uh, what else do you have on that piece of paper? You're waving it around like a politician behind a podium. It seems like a well, lot of important my, stuff there. My life doesn't exist without these pieces of paper. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't, I can't remember my name without these like little pieces of paper. I'm basically at the bus station. I don't know my name (laughs) and they take me someplace and my life is over. I just started keeping a, a, a day planner for like, I bought a day planner every year for the past five years. And then it just gets put in a drawer. Mm. Used to have a big wall calendar, and I would write everything on that. Um, uh, but then I then I didn't have a wall anymore, so that mm-hmm. kind of put that plan uh, into a bit of upheaval. 
Uh, and now I have a day planner, but I'm really like the little what five by seven legal pads. Like, I think I need to start keeping lists of everything, whether it's like just random stuff, like every day, all of the things, ideas, conversations, funny phrasing, sticker ideas. And I have a funny story. Have I told the sticker idea about Vegas and Shakira? <laughs> no. No, sorry. Well, I'm, I pre-laughed at it, but go on. My, my whole, like I sell a lot of stickers. I just come up with like little ideas or whatever. And some, yeah. you know, some will be things like Chris DeStefano said, uh, my 10% not giving a shit beats your 8% faster. And I was like, bingo, going to turn that into a sticker. Some of the stuff I come up with, some of the stuff friends come up, come, come up with, but I was having these sort of lapses of memory where I would come up with sticker idea. And then I'd think, you know, I'd be in bed or whatever. It'd be late at night. And I think that's a good one. I like that. That's really. And then I would forget it the next day and I've lost. Yeah. I've forgotten yeah. more ideas than I've come up with. But <clears throat> I was in Vegas at the trade show and we were at the pepper mill. And I think I was with Simon Stewart and a group of people were just standing around a little circle. And I said something and everybody laughed and I was like, that'd be a funny sticker. That's good. I think. And I, I grabbed a piece out of a piece of paper in my pocket, or maybe I asked a waitress for a napkin and a pen or something. And I wrote, I just scrawled it down real quick. And I was like, gold, this is my first attempt at remembering the thing that I want to remember to turn into a sticker to monetize and make, you know, all tens of dollars. So I put this thing in my pocket, go about my night and we continue drinking and carrying on. And the next day I was at the show, I reached in my pocket and I'm like, I feel this piece of paper. And I was like, fuck, I did it. I did it. I, I wrote the thing down. Sick. Carried an idea from one day uh -huh. into the next yeah. day, literally. Yeah. yeah. And I pull this piece yeah. of paper out and I have it somewhere. Uh, maybe still. I don't. Pr I know I have a photo of it and it just says like written like with my left hand. It was just total chicken scratch said I would let Shakira bite off my balls. And <laughs> I was <laughs> I was like really past me this was your gold you you know like this is the <laughs> dumbest thing i've ever heard in my life but, but you know whatever perspective is everything the night before it was hilarious um i mean i think it is hilarious but i can also understand how you think this isn't really a sticker no not at all it shouldn't have ever even been uttered it was like it was a the worst collection of words all at once I use one of your, I say one of your sticker slogans fairly regularly to unsuspecting people. Um, basically, anytime someone says you did a good job at something, I reply with my favorite all hell the black market, Steve Knievel uh, sticker, which is I don't fuck around. But when I do, I don't fuck around. Which I think is the the most perfect piece of wordplay. Thank you. I don't know. Like, I can't be improved upon. I was looking at a Dos Equis ad. Mm. And I actually did a Photoshop of him saying that. And then I was like, <laughs> whoa, no, this is this actually might be too good. I don't want to turn this into a thing. I'm going to just go straight to sticker production. Unlike, yeah. the, yeah, yeah. you know, I had to sort of stew on the Shakira one a little bit to see how that landed. Turns out, mm. you know, all the ideas don't take off. Uh, but that, I was pretty happy with that one. I like the idea of you the following day in Vegas with a cup of coffee, staring sort of <laughs> contemplatively into the distance, thinking. I'd let Shakira bite my balls off. <laughs> I, I'd, actually, I'd that let... phrasing is that's better than the, the original. What's you, the original? I would let Shakira bite off my balls. But you said <laughs> I would let Shakira bite my balls off. And, <laughs> and that's actually pretty funny. <laughs> See, that's the magic of language. Like it's there's a cadence. There's a visual uh, sort of um, so, sort of an aesthetic to it. You know, it's like how a good joke is told. It can be told by several different people. But if you, you know, you finish with like the uh, the little yeah that's tickle. the whole shakespeare thing where like the meter and where mm -hmm. the thing lands is important like the word f um you were about to I say fart. I, I wasn't i was gonna say fuck oh yeah i worked for this uh 
fuck is particularly um, satisfying because it has that that like intro, that smooth intro and that hard finish. Mm -hmm. Fuck. It's like, you know, it's good. Um, Yeah. So good phrases, I think. And. In in, with like nice syllables, I don't know, it's it's that's writer shit. I don't I would say that I'm so clever that I actually write that way. I don't at all. I try to. I've learned more about writing from Twitter, I think, because I was oh, reading yeah. when I first had Twitter. I didn't understand what the point of it was. I didn't understand like, oh, my God, it's just every banal thought you have or anybody has is shared with an audience. And, you know, like, oh, I lost one of my socks. Boom. Out to 100,000 <laughs> people or whatever. And it just didn't it right. didn't resonate. But then I started reading. There were some comedians that had some uh, really some pretty amazing content. And then it became a challenge to me, like how in a hundred characters, 120 characters, 140 characters, however many, how do you say the most effective and funny thing that ends Mm. with the little punch, you know? And so it really gave me, it would present it as a, a fun challenge for me. And it's not, I'm not saying that I have it figured out or that I'm ever successful with it, but I like to use that as sort of a gauge. First of all, that's false modesty. You are very often um, successful. You are good at it, uh, and you are often successful, and and you know that. You're good. You are a good, worthy, um, okay person. <laughs> Thanks. That's your affirmation for today. I'm going to put that on my business card. We're like yeah. kind of we're kind of burning a little bit of daylight on this. We have an actual topic to yeah. discuss. So maybe let's go. Let's. Let's jump out of this and jump into the music pick, which is another thing that I have written here because I always rock up in the podcast and I'm like, oh, yeah, right. uh, last Friday I had to pick a music pick right. and I forgot it, but I wrote it down this week. Oh, hey, it's story time with steve About three years ago, Shimano tapped me to join a group of people they were calling the Gravel Alliance. Essentially, this was a group of people who were going to ride and test the GRX gravel group. We're going to do races around the country and rides and have flight influence on design and engineering and research and development tweaks that needed to be done before it went to market. Uh, On the surface, this was just an opportunity to ride bikes and to meet this amazing group of personalities and even to take a peek behind the curtain and learn a little bit more about Shimano as a company. Uh, but on the underneath, I learned more about myself and my own self-worth than I could have ever hoped for. Uh, the whole thing was really brilliant. And I understand that's not exactly what they had in mind when they asked me to sign on. But uh, that was a byproduct. And I will forever be in Shimano's debt because of it. Okay, go go ahead. My pick this week is a post-hardcore band from Louisville, Kentucky called Young Widows. Oh, damn. Okay. Do, do you know Young Widows? No. Oh. Well, get on that. Well, see, so this is you doing something, like, you're delivering something amazing to me, and I never do... We've already, we've already talked about this. You all always give me the best stuff, <clears throat> and I always give you... Nothing. So young widows. <laughs> t- t- let's t- tell me about it. Um, it's, you know, um, I think if you like uh, shellac of North America and slint and. Um, oxes. And I don't know, it's just a very. um. I think it's particularly interesting, and I brought up Slint because they're also from Louisville, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Louisville. 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 If you Louisville. you want to get it right. Yeah. I, um, I think that's important because I think when <clears throat> you are playing music in Louisville, you are isolated from like the big kind of sounds in each big city scene mm-hmm. so you i think you end up making really interesting music i think young widows uh did that that i don't think they've i don't think they have formally broken up but they haven't 
updated their website in seven years, which is a bad, <laughs> kind of a bad sign. <laughs> they haven't updated their website since the Internet was invented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. OK, but they have four. They have four records out. They started around 2005. They have four records out. They put the last one out in 2014. And um, they were kind of making progress. They were tour with pretty good, pretty well-known bands. Um, but I like them. And you should also, even though they're no longer existing, mm. maybe. I mean, I assume they exist individually. I hope so. Four full-length albums and seven split EPs. That's an impressive... They were busy. Yeah, that's an impressive catalog. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I don't think... I'm going to have to investigate. It might be something that's crossed my radar at some point, but off the top of my head, I can't say that I'm familiar. Um, so I bet you listen and you're like, Oh, that's who this is. Maybe. Uh, okay. Young widows. That's good. I appreciate that. Um, and uh, conversely, I will uh, say the thing that I've been listening to is so old hat and I can't believe that they're still making music, but urge overkill just released their first record. Uh -huh in 12 years called we and it's um you know it's not like americruiser or saturation like they've definitely evolved rock and roll submarine i thought had some real uh winning tracks but oh i'm quite enjoying this new record and i've been listening to it um <clears throat> pretty consistently ah uh, that is until last night when i got the new plosives album robot picked it up at the show and sent it to me because they're only selling the records at the shows for now and i wanted to get it so i knew when to stop bobbing my head when i go <laughs> see them next month because well i can tell you from having seen them that it's still confusing because they don't play the they they do some interesting things that are not what they do on the album yeah um that album is um, so fucking good. It really is. I, I, I raised my voice there because I'm actually having a problem with it where it's all I want to listen to. It's they, they're dragging me down into the plosives hole where I just <laughs> can only every time I turn music on, it's like, what's going to be plosives again? And I and I love hate that. I wish I had a digital copy so I could carry it with me. Like, I want to listen to it on my way around and doing errands and, you know, out and about, but I'm, I'm chained to my turntable and I listen to it in one place in my home. So, uh, yeah, those are, so, okay. Those are young widows, urge overkill, urge overkill. and plosives. Plosives again with for the third or fourth time. Yeah. I think they're probably going to be in a pretty consistent rotation over the course of the next few months anyway. I was listening to them with a friend of mine who doesn't listen to the same sort of music as I do. And she said, this, this is really good. Normally I just dismiss your, your music, but this is really good. And I thought to myself, this is the record that saves rock and roll, which is just a stupid thing to think. But I was like, this is such a good, purely rock. Just, yeah, it's just good in all the ways. The harmonies, the guitar tones, the drums. I mean, Adam is just an unbelievably, unbelievably good drummer and is so much better every time. Like every year that goes by, he becomes better. And um, did I tell you, did I tell you I got mad at him during the show? <clears throat> so his hair is somewhat long and he has this sort of like lanky hair, lanky straight hair that mm -hmm. I've always wanted. I have this kind of like, um, I don't know. My hair does not move, but regardless, and his hair is like this long, lanky, and he, he whips it to emphasize. It's like, he's doing, he's like doing a performative dance while he's drumming. Mm. And I'm like, you're so fucking cool that I fucking hate you. Like I am mad at you for being this cool. Yeah. That the older I get, or maybe not the older I get, but the more time I spend on this planet, the more people I find, you know, that cross my radar, that be, that wind up in my field of vision in whatever yeah. degree, uh, the more the more people like that I I exist with, and it's really kind of um, it's a little emasculating, I guess. It's just. I've always had a, like a hero worship thing since I was small. Like there was, you know, like the big kid or Mike or uh, Steve Lacey, yeah. the kid who was probably in like sixth grade. Like I wanted, I, you know, I wanted like 
wear my hiking boots like he did, or I wanted jeans like him, or I wanted to drive a Subaru Brat and have a curled trucker hat or, you know, whatever the fuck it, whatever the thing was. (laughs) And now like there's all of these people that I'm just so enamored with artists, musicians, writers, whatever, like, oh, you're fucking, it's just the fonts. They're naturals, right? We all have, we're all drawn to these people who are just naturals. Yeah. They just, they're not trying to do a thing, but they do the thing without even meaning to. And that's what pisses me off about Adam Willard in his case. He's just being the coolest drummer on the planet. And he's just like doing his thing like a dick. I'm working twice Uh, as hard to be half as good. Yeah. 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 Sort of my mode of operation. Anyway, topic, topic, the topic of the, now that we have like fucking 18 minutes left to cover what we're supposed to be covering. Uh, question one. Well, so courier, this episode is about bike couriers, courier messengering. Yeah. And, and the strangely outsized influence of this weird niche job on cycling culture. And, and, and like, and fashion and all kinds of weird shit. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So question one is you were a messenger. Mm-hmm. What was so goddamn great about it? Uh, for me, I mean, well, you get to ride your bike and that's fun. We all like riding bikes and you yeah. get to ride a bike all day. And at the time we were, we had Nextel pagers, yeah. which bleep, bleep. the guy, the guy that developed the software for these pagers uh, we could get addresses or contact information sent to us. And the guy that developed the software to send from our dispatcher to our pagers is the same guy that the de- developed the software that Twitter ultimately used. So we were getting 140 characters on our pagers <clears throat> as well as one dispatcher. We were on free call. So we had one dispatcher and like four messenger companies. And each mm-hmm. company had, you know, up to uh, three to six people on, on each for each company. And we could pick like, you're building a run and I could pick packages. But if the client who, where I was picking the package up fit into your run and they were your client, then you could call me off of it. It was all very confusing to me. Mm. Um, but, uh, so we, we, we had like pretty powerful two way radios and you were just on a big scavenger hunt with your friends all day. You know, you would just be riding your bike and somebody would see like somebody with a hilarious haircut or, oh, my God, this guy's like wearing sequin shorts and he's roller skating. And he's you guys got everybody has to come and look at the sequin shorts roller skating guy. So uh, people, messengers were like all over the city would go to see the roller skating guy or whatever the whatever the thing was. Um, So that was fun. Uh, Being in the sun was great and drinking coffee and. Um, there's like some of us, I wasn't one of the people, but a lot of people made a lot of money, like more money looking like a messenger than actually being a messenger. Cause we did, we delivered to advertising agencies and modeling agencies. And so people would walk in and they'd be like, what are you doing on Saturday? Can you come and do a photo shoot? And you, you know, like one woman was in really? an AT&T ad, um, my, uh, this guy, Ben, delivered if I remember how the story went, you know, the Chevron ads with the little claymation cars. No, but I believe you. You've never seen those. There's little claymation cars and they pull in the gas station and they talk about Chevron with tech tech or whatever. Do you, do you remember before where I was saying without this small piece of paper that I would be homeless at the bus station? <laughs> I don't remember Chevron ads. I'm sorry. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, I don't. he walked in and said, Hey, can I get your signature or whatever? And somebody was like, who said that? And he's like, it's me. And they said, you're the blue car. So he <laughs> had to get a SAG card and he was the voice of the blue car for the whole campaign. Um, you're the blue car. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, That's it hilarious. was, it was really, it was really fun. I did get called in for a Levi's photo shoot or a casting call for a Levi's shoot. And I had gotten into a Bloody Mary fight with some friends the night before. <laughs> Naturally. And yeah. when I walked in for the photo shoot, the late, I took my jacket off. I didn't realize, but I had bloody Mary like splattered all over my shirt. And she's like, do you want to go to the changing room? And I'm in there with my two of my friends and all of these models, like real models, like carrying portfolios, a bunch of beautiful people changing room. Or do you want to put on the jeans here for the thing? And I was like, I'll just put the jeans on here. And as I'm putting, <laughs> I'm pulling up the pants and she's like, 
um, fixing my cuffs, uh, my junk falls out of my shorts. Oh, so I'm like no. dick out, Bloody Mary all over my shirt. And we had this moment of like, uh, this is over. I'm not going to get this job. I don't think, <laughs> uh, it was, so that was just like, it was just like a adventure, you know, but then when it was done, I was done. Like people, a bunch of people died in like one week, a bunch of people got run over and we had, um, a span of really bad weather and I had gotten dumped and my heart was broken and I just like, I couldn't. I couldn't do it anymore. And then it, you know, and then it was like, it had run its course and I went on to do other things. But for that span of time, those whatever, three or four, five years, it was, it was the best. So, so <clears throat> that's what made it so goddamn great. Why question two is why do you think courier style habits, et cetera, have been so influential on cycling culture? I mean, I rode a fixed gear bike that came, you know, and I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I definitely, you know, and I had a fucking career bag and I was just like the regular poser dork that was just like, oh, this is how you ride a bike around a city. And I live in a city and I ride a bike. So this is naturally what you do. Um, but, it, you know, I, it also looked super cool. And I had friends who were couriers. So I was like, you know, those guys, it was that same kind of thing we were talking about a minute ago where you're like, well, that guy's just cool. So I'm going to do what that guy does. Yeah. Well, I did. I mean, I did that too before I was a messenger. I had a bag and I rode a bike, and I didn't really know anything about messengers aside from a couple friends who did it. And it just, I don't. It just seemed like um, what appealed to me about it was that you just didn't really have, you didn't have to be inside, and you were kind of there's a freedom associated with it, and um, and uh, I've kind of felt like the the people who I saw who were doing it or the people who I knew who were doing it were kind of marching to their own drummer, which is a quality that has always appealed to me. Um, yeah. so it was just, it was like a, 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 co a combination of things, I think. And maybe, uh, it's a, you know, it's a, like, a whatever, a marketing angle for companies. Cause they are also projecting this, this freedom or this, uh, yeah. this individuality or this like wild west, like, contemporary cowboy kind of nobody can contain the spirit of these this population or what the fuck i don't know right but i think that's like a bunch of seagulls yeah i think that's the thing that appeals <laughs> uh, that appeals to people i remember after i stopped yeah, yeah. i went from messengering to working in a bike shop and then i stopped working in a bike shop and went on to other stuff but i saw a missed match or a whatever there was something on craigslist or something it was like oh my god bike messengers and bike mechanics are so sexy and i'm like where where, where was this person when i was doing either of these things because i was like pariah <laughs> you know like well i mean the truth is you're dirty all the time right that's true you, you're just fucking dirty all the time you're you're sweaty you got you're greasy you're gritty it's not really it doesn't promote uh, good dietary habits and you, you know, you, you, like I would be awake at eight and on Caltrans ran a shuttle that went from the train station near my house and it would take you cause you can't bring your bike on the train during commute hours. So you put your bike on the trailer and it's a dollar It's a really cool system. So you get into the city and then you would messenger and you'd have to like eat a burrito as quickly as you could. And then Afterwards, you go to the bar where your friend is a bartender and you drink and eat dollar tamales and then you get home at two in the morning and you do it all over again the next day. Like it doesn't it's not a sustainable. Does sound like a dream. Though. It was super one dollar tamales and a the, lot of bike riding. I The way I described <laughs> it was it was it was the job that I hated less than any other job I ever had because I don't like working. I don't I mean, it's not, I don't like a traditional you go in and you punch a clock, you sit at a sure. desk or you, you know, do somebody else's bidding that has never appealed yeah, to you me. You would much rather sit in a closet with a, a microphone <laughs> <laughs> and really sow your wild oats out here. Yeah. About to be uh, crushed by yeah. a pile of tennis shoes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, I think a lot of what you said is right because pretty much every ad on television that features like a fun small business is either a bike shop or 
Like, how many bike couriers are there in the city of Boston right now? I would guess 12. Yeah. Really it's working. Not, it's really a dying, you know, at what point they said like, oh, the fax machine is going to kill messengering or whatever. But like there are and uh, Corndog, who is a messenger in Seattle for 20 years. And I've talked about a lot about this. There's delivery people. And he has this very defined uh, or, or clear definition. Like there's delivery people and then there's messengers. And if you're yeah. bonded, then you do legal processing and you um, file, you know, like I think I described filing a stay of execution. Like that's not yeah. the kind of shit that's left up to somebody who, who brings you a Jimmy John sandwich. But delivery people, you know, that's real. You're out there like bringing people their shit and you're risking life and limb to do the thing. Also, it's just there's a sort of a weight to. You're really kind of making the the city go when you're delivering but, everything. Yeah, but there when we talk about real messengers, there's very few of them left anymore. And yeah, and they're only really in metropolitan areas. I'm just saying that yeah. the the number of actual people who do it relative to the number of them that you see on television and in ads is insane. It's a dead, a dying uh, uh, industry, I guess is the word because they're right, but it, in in the in the collective consciousness it remains this trope it remains this like shorthand for like wild and free and fun yeah yeah, yeah well that's true and there isn't really a replacement for that sort of wild and free and fun yeah because nothing is wild free or fun anymore <laughs> fuck everything <laughs> uh, sorry and uh well and that's uh and that's it that's that's a wrap we're done <laughs> Uh, it, you're, you're right. It, it's, it's, um, it's a tangible and, um, and, uh, sort of there's a mystique and it's exciting and, and it promotes this idea. I don't know. Advertising. It's all, it's all bullshit. You know, so mm. advertising is just, it's just a campaign. And so you grab this one little thing that feel like, promotes you're like oh you know what you know what what defines uh the freedom of our cell phone plan is a bike messenger <laughs> bike messenger yeah but not one covered in bloody mary with his junk hanging out obviously <laughs> no. that's a little too that's a little too real i always more... wanted i'd go into the modeling agencies to deliver the advertising agencies and i'd always make an effort to to lurk around for an extra long time just so everybody got to look at me like anybody anybody interested anybody you got anything <laughs> or just, just, just look at the defined jawline can you see it is a nice jawline yeah <laughs> you get like a little flexy in there you just be like yeah <clears throat> just scratching your head with that flexy make, make my muscles as big and 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 bumpy as possible yeah be extra bumpy didn't get I didn't get the gigs. I just worked with too many good looking people. And I, yeah, I was not one of them. Oh, goddamn good looking people. Yeah. But I would not trade it for anything. I mean, it was a, it was a fun, it was a fun thing to do. And I made some really great friends and I didn't totally invest in like, there were people that were like, kind of wrapped their entire identities up and, and their job, you know, mm. like I'm bike messenger, hear me roar. And hmm. I was, then they'd like party together and they live together and they were in bands together and they do all of this stuff together. And I just, I don't know. I liked the first company I worked for. Uh, my friend Sarah used to joke that we were the most highly educated messenger company. Like one dude was in law school. Another guy had an engineering degree. One woman trans translated, um, like, uh, Egyptian, ancient egyptian mathematics or some shit like that and then like everybody had a degree at least a bachelor's if not a master's mm. and that was fun because obviously you know the joke was that when you graduate from art school they hand you a diploma and a bag and a radio because <laughs> a, a bunch of us were art school yeah. graduates or dropouts but you're not a joiner so you could never really go all in on that stuff um, no, I just, I, you know, whatever. I just like people who, um, I just like people who I, I like regardless, you know, and mm. that was, 
it was a it was a fun kind of ready made community. And like I said, riding a bike is cool. So oh. that's 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 that. I look forward to future museum exhibits where they have like wax bike couriers and they talk about a time when documents were actually carried from place to place by burrito smelling humans <laughs> <laughs> like on the little yeah. plaque yeah talks about crayola haired messenger uh ladies with the with the uh, cut off jean shorts and the fishnets yes uh, and then the cycling shoes yes it was cool and there were just there was like really strong personalities i think i think strong personalities tended to be attracted to it as a profession and there was like mystery around a lot of these people you know like this group of these uh, like four black dudes showed up from dc and everybody was riding track bikes and there were maybe like four or five there was a small handful of messengers who were riding track bikes in the mid 90s because it doesn't make any fucking sense to ride a fixed gear bike in a city, you know, but these guys were dope and they wore like pursuit helmets and blue windbreakers. And they all just kind of, they were really talented bike riders and they were like, those guys were cool. And then there was this dude named cartoon and he always showed up every morning. He had a really nice Conago and he always had like fresh flowers in his helmet and he could bike surf. Like I, I have, just recently found footage of him one right foot on the saddle left foot on his handlebars doing like 45 or 50 miles an hour down Guerrero street. It's like just wild shit, you know? And it was like, right. And nobody knew what his story was. Like that was kind of what was so wild. You know, is he like a gang member? I heard he, I heard he like paralyzed a woman. So he goes and buys fresh flowers from her every day. Uh, uh, I heard he was actually executed uh, uh, just a couple of years ago, but then it turns out that he's like living in Vegas and doing construction or something. You know, you just, I don't know. It's just, it's kind of, yeah. like I said, it's like the wild west. People you're not sure are real people. You're like, is this a simulation? And that person is a character that just got a little bit too much development. Like what? Yeah. I often think of that about my brother who's dead now. I'm like, was he real or was he like a character in this weird movie that's parallel to my life? I don't really know. But you you meet people like that all the time who are just their personality and, and their story doesn't stack up or make sense. But like, I guess that's it. I guess. I mean, it does. And I don't meet people like that all the time. That's kind of what's magic yeah, about when yeah, you yeah. do cross paths with people like your brother, or people like cartoon or you. Why the fuck is he called cartoon? I got, I don't I don't know anything about this guy. I don't know. Whatever. Did it we, seems like that's the first thing you would know about him, but you don't. Uh-uh. Nothing, I know nothing about him. Um, so did we, that was, uh, what did you, oh, that was question okay. two. We're, we're on to the, would you rather we're on to question three, the would you rather Sweet, we got five minutes to bang this out. Let's do it. Uh, would you rather, uh, have to do a century ride. That is a thousand miles, right? You read it. 100 miles. Oh, right. Uh, right. It's four quarter <laughs> centuries. <You'd> rather, <laughs> That's right. Would you rather do a century ride with bacon grease or icy hot for chamois butter? Yeah. So you prepping your chamois before you have to ride 100 miles. Would you rather have to do that with bacon grease or icy hot? Bacon grease, for sure. I'm, I'm going to go icy hot. <clears throat> Why do you go get bacon grease? Why would I? I, yeah. uh, just because it has a, it's viscous and it would eventually dissipate and icy hot. I did when I was a messenger, I passed out with my shoes on and I woke up and there was a hand in my pants and I was like, Oh, Hey, hello. And then it turns out that it was my friend, Laura, who got, she like volunteered to prank me and she put tiger bomb like a healthy dose of tiger bomb on my bits and oh. it fucking sucked. And then I got body slammed later that night onto a telephone and separated my shoulder. That's another story entirely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, I mean, because when your pores open and that all gets absorbed, it's like it's waves of discomfort. So you are going to be in for the long haul. Bacon grease is eventually going to dissipate and you're just going to maybe get a breakout. Oh, it's going to smell terrible. 
fine. It's going to smell terrible. I'll, that's fine. You put some Icy Hot on your goods and let me know if your decision changes. Here's my thinking. How long does it take to ride 100 miles? I'll tell you, it takes me... About three hours. Yeah, better part of a week. Anyway, um... I figure Icy Hot will at some point expire, whereas bacon grease will just get worse and worse and worse. Mm. Mm. It's going to take a while for it to expire. <laughs> like, like longer than 15 minutes. And it's going to absorb yeah. in your chamois and then you're going to get it's that. I don't think I don't think you understand how terrible that would be. <clears throat> Making grease I mean, eventually. I just think would you rather goes better if we disagree. Uh, I may be I may be advocating for icy hot in a way that I don't really believe. Although, God, when I think about the bacon grease situation, it would go. I mean, it would eventually break down. You know, it's like I just think of you know people who use um, chamois butter or KY. I've know I've known that to be used because it's viscous and it doesn't, you know, it's hypoallergenic or whatever. Bacon grease obviously isn't hypoallergenic, but eventually oh. it, with some time it would be gross, no doubt. Yeah. And it, are we talking like a, like an like a like a quarter inch slather of all of this or are you just like regular I would say your normal application. Okay. I don't even know what your normal application is. It depends on how um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? What the grit of your bits and pieces is like yeah. sandpaper. Are you like 220 or are you like 110? <laughs> uh, I still, I'm going to, I'm going to go with bacon grease and I'm also going to conclude my perspective with that. You are wrong. <laughs> I can accept that. Okay. So I can that, accept being wrong. That puts us at, uh, I'm always the one to wrap shit up. Cause if, if I don't do it, we're just going to sit here and jibber jabber and we've done enough of that for today. So, Yes. Thanks for listening to Revolting. If you have questions for us or topics that you would be interested in us discussing, you can email me at stevel at cycling independent or robot at cycling independent. Yeah. Robot at cycling independent. Uh, if yeah. you like this or any of the other fun stuff you find on the cycling independent, please share it with a friend. It's the only way we have to keep this party going and we're not just saying that this is this is an actual plea to yes pay us yeah it's the <laughs> only way <laughs> yeah we're actually like this is what buys us groceries and allows us to pay our electricity bill so we can use computers to talk to each other and record the shit to begin with so thank you yeah and uh on that note i am steve and i'm robot this has been revolting. Yeah.